Welcome everyone to season two of Path to Peace. Uh, it's been a while, it's been a long time since I've been doing one of these, but starting to roll out um, season two. Um, today I'm joined with Matthew. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Lockie, for having me. Sweet. Um, we'll get into it. So tell everyone a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, um, and what you've been doing recently, I guess. Yeah, sure. So my name's Matthew Freer. Um, uh, I grew up in uh, West Sydney, so I'm a southwest Sydney boy uh, from, from a good, loving uh, parents and family. I'm the, the younger brother of uh, two older brothers, which is always fun, has its challenges, um, yeah. being a little one. But yeah, so come from an a Italian background as well. So my father's Italian and my mum's Australian. So uh, it's always good when cousins are over. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm a practicing Catholic. I, I'm really into my faith and I uh, strive to, to really um, you know, live, live, a, live a good life you know, according to the gospel, according to the uh, relationship with the Lord. Um, and I'm also studying a, a bachelor's of education, so secondary uh, teaching at the moment in my, my fourth year, my final semester. And so that's uh, it's been, been interesting in the last two years especially and, and kind yeah. of getting to the pointy end of things. Uh, Having my having my kind of pack delayed and whatnot, but um, so yeah, so it's good about me. All right, sweet. Um, yeah, well, I think we'll get into some of the faith stuff later. I'm interested to see kind of how that's helped um, throughout your life. Um, but how are things, I guess, at the moment? Yeah, things are things are not as exciting, uh, I guess, and not yet. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing I've realised. Like, um, I guess, yeah, I mean. Life's not all about you know, doing exciting things, and, and but it is frustrating, and there's there's not a lot to look forward to in uh, lockdown. Mm. Um, so adjusting to that, I guess, you know, the last ten weeks or however long it's been, in June, I think it's been a bit of a bit of a roller coaster, to be honest. Um, yeah, kind of getting in the beginning of it, first couple of weeks is just like, oh, not again. Like, um, you know, it wasn't mm. as novel as the first time. I think last year's lockdown. It was all kind of novel, and it was like oh, online Zoom things, and yeah, um, it was a bit more exciting. I don't know. Yeah, this time you kind of knew what to expect, and so yeah, I kind of took it a little bit. Oh, this is frustrating. I just want to get on with life, and it was mm. kind of the holidays, and I was really hoping to catch up with a few people. Yeah, and so I guess, and I think another thing was is kind of it was kind of going off the cliff of the semester. So you're really busy, and, and I think first semester for me was just. Yeah, really busy, really hectic. Mm. And then coming down from that and just going like off the cliff uh, to lockdown, mm. it was kind of like, it's slow down. It's like, okay, um, I need to find a routine here. I need to. And so that took me a couple of weeks you know, to find a good routine. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I was able to find that routine and try to get back into semester and a couple of other things. Mm. And I really was able to spend a lot of time especially over the last couple of weeks, last month, especially August, I think, we just focusing on myself because um, before lockdown, I was just involved with this and that thing. I was running, like, you know, running around like a, like a headless chook. Um, yeah. And so just to really collect myself and say, oh, wow, like, um, you know, being, spending so much time with myself now, I could realise, you know, um, to really focus on myself and yeah. use my spiritual life, but also, you know, setting good habits, um, which hasn't been easy because mm. 
moment. You know, the last two weeks as, as, as the lockdown's dragged on, I've kind of just kind of got sick of things and just kind of breaking habits, breaking patterns, breaking routines. So, yeah. Been finding that hard, I think, yeah. Mm. And just the mundaneness and kind of, there's a frustration of desire to go out and just get on with life, you know. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to navigate. Yeah. That's a big thing about getting in routine. Um, I feel like last year when I, cause I started, obviously I started uni halfway through um, 2020. And so I was in, in amongst COVID and everything. Um, I was like, it took me so long to get in a routine. By the time I got in a routine, I was done with semester one. And then <laughs> I had to go through all like the uni break and stuff like that. And then I start semester two and where we're kind of getting out of lockdown, like we're out of lockdown, I'm back at uni and I'm doing everything. And then I'm finally in a routine and then lockdown hits this year and then it just completely throws out of the way. It's, it's tough. And what you also mentioned about um, learning to guess, I guess, be with yourself more and like understand yourself. I think a lot of people, um, I would say rely, but like they get used to having everyone around them and, and they feed off that, off of that energy. Um, so I think, I guess lockdown has taught people to, to, understand about being being with yourself and being comfortable with that um it's not yeah it's, it's not easy it's mm. a lot of people i've talked to is just being really hard for them to not have that um to just be alone i guess to to not be with someone yeah i think yeah. it's so easy to kind of distract i think we distract ourselves from ourselves all the time you know yeah out of the kind of and, and, and sometimes i think it does come from a place where I don't want to be alone with myself. I don't want to kind of, I'm uncomfortable with myself. Um, yeah. I guess that, that's, that's the hardest thing when you're, you're, you're doing so many things and you think you're doing so many good things. Mm. Um, you know, I'm getting on with life and whatnot. But, but slowly you can kind of see that there's just certain false selves that arise, you know, in different mm. situations. Um, you can be one person, you know, at uni, you can be another person at, at work or in different places. Yeah. Um, because you know you're moving, you know you're moving from uni, you're moving to work, you're moving to um, different situations, social situations, old friends, new friends, yeah. um, all the time. But when you're when you're always with yourself and you're you're with, you kind of you, you got to maintain that integrity or or kind of um, consistency of who you are. But if you're, if you're not sure of that who you are, or you're not sure of, um, you're comfortable with being with yourself, I guess. Um, it, it's hard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess the the heart of um, or kind of what brings you here is I guess you've had uh, mental health issues, I guess, throughout your life and especially in your adolescence. Um, so tell us a bit about I guess growing up and and dealing with certain things like you said anxiety and depression. Yeah, sure. I think. Yeah, growing up, I think I was always very happy, very cheeky. Um, mm. That's what my parents say, and and um, yeah, I think I was just kind of a normal kid. Um, and so, you know, getting around to year nine, uh, year eight, year nine, I think it was year nine, the year where um, Ben's experienced a bit of depression, a bit of anxiety. I think that arose from a, kind of several factors. I think on the surface of it, it was kind of a as a social situation where. And looking back, you think, wow, that wasn't like that was such a big deal. But yeah. I was in the class for year, year seven and eight with the same group of friends and people. 
and they shifted classes in iron and I, I found that challenging. Yeah. I began to kind of, because I was isolated from the friends, you know, I wanted to be with and that I began to isolate myself a bit more, um, began to tune out of my, my study. And it was kind of year nine is that year, you know, that's, that's always difficult. And being a teacher and I've taught you nine, know, it's, yeah. uh, it's an interesting experience. Um, so at least, and you know, you think about you're teaching these year nine kids and like, they're paying the asses, but you know, I was a pain in the ass as well. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was year nine where I was, as it became more, I was starting to, you know, go into myself more, which was, which wasn't quite myself. You know, I was a very extroverted person mm. um, up until then. And I think, you know, on a deeper level, there was a sense in which um, my identity, my, my self-esteem was built around these friendships, these relationships. And, and these are, these are so important, so good, you know, mm. um, and we know that now, like, especially during lockdown, but yeah. these, these connections that I had with those friends, those good friends in my old class, I was really, you know, I was really um, depressed by not being with them, not being able to. And so I, I didn't quite understand, but then I began to kind of go into myself more. Um, I wasn't concentrating my studies. I was just kind of uh, just learning out a lot. Um, mm. And yeah, I think I began to just yeah change. And I think, luckily for me, my mum started to notice that. Um, yeah. And I think yeah, my mum has experienced depression herself, and kind of it's in the family in terms of um, different different uh, generations and whatnot. And so she noticed very early that it was a change in me, and she she actually encouraged me to, to go seek help or to go counselling. Um, oh, that's great. That and I was very resistant to it, you know. I was like, nah, I just didn't want to do it. Um, yeah. Because it was a sense in which it was, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me, you know. Sure. Um, but I don't, like, nothing's really happened to me, you know. Um, you know, I was like, what the heck? Uh, I don't know how to do this. But it was actually really helpful, I think. Mm. Um, it, I was able to just, just speak and, and talk through and have this kind of, mature psychological perspective to be speaking to, to how I was kind of coping with these things. Yeah. And I found that helpful, I think. Um, you know, I guess, yeah, move, going, going on from there, I was able to kind of move on from that, I think, a little bit. Year 10 was more so a coming age, age year with a license and a friend's parties. And yeah. It was more a fun year than year 10. Yeah. It was mysterious and, um, and it's always, yeah, it's just in terms of um, adolescence and kind of all these different pressures as well. Yeah. I guess um, during that, that, those years, there was these certain pressures, you know. I think I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be kind of, and this was because my older brother, who was like six years older than me, he graduated um, the year before I started high school. So mm-hmm. but he had kind of a reputation of being popular and kind of, and just kind of sporty and all these things. And I was kind of, you know, hoping to kind of um, fill these shoes or kind of, you know, had put this pressure on to me to be popular. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. Which was, 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 was unnecessary, but it was, it was a certain sense in which looked up to him. And, um, <laughs> and that, that kind of, and I had a lot of friends. It was really popular. Yeah. And that's what, that's what didn't make sense as well. Like, I still had a lot of friends. I could still see my friends. I wasn't in class with at lunch and, mm. you know, 
it was still very popular. I'd you know, catch the bus. The funny thing, growing up, we kind of we were the first stop on the bus, bus, uh, bus route. Yeah. And my oldest brother was obviously the first to get to school, and then I had a middle brother, a middle brother as well, older brother. So we kind of inherited the back seat, you know, kind of a front. Yeah. Um, it was a kind of this, this, that brotherhood was good. Yeah. Uh, but it placed a kind of a but even just socially, you know, this pressure to be popular, mm. uh, to make a name for yourself. And I think, I think deep down, what I was really doing with was this kind of this deep desire in my heart to be known, to be respected, to be loved, you know? Mm. Um, and we all, we all have, we all desire, we all experience. Yeah. And I guess in, in, in trying to, to fulfill that, I was, I was placing too much pressure, too much emphasis on being popular, being attractive to girls, you know. And I think that was the that, that second thing, was the big thing, you know. Oh, how many mm. girls have you kissed? And yeah. All of those factors, you know. <laughs> all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that lunchtime table talk, you know. Yeah. Just kind of um, swirling around your head. But, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I struggled there a bit. Um, and then... In terms of yeah, the, going on from year ten, that that you know, in nineteen eleven, things are even you know, it's sixteen, you kind of there's this desire, you know, you got your friends texting all these girls and that like, you know, um, <laughs> or supposedly texting all these girls and, and yeah. like, oh, why isn't this happening for me? And, mm. and so you put a lot of pressure and you put a lot of kind of um, in those friendships, in even relationships. And so I had a relationship when I was sixteen, around that time as well. Um, and it was kind of really, things were moving really fast. And, and um, because I, I was kind of, you know, this desire to be known, love, respected, um, I, placed, I placed a lot of, like a lot of, uh, what would be the word, of hope and trust and security in that relationship, you know? Yeah. In that person trying to fill me. <clears throat> my deepest desire is these longings of my heart. And, you know, our relationships, I think our relationships are so important in terms of you know, satisfying these desires. Sure. Um, but when those, those, but we have to be realistic in terms of not everyone, or not, no person can actually fulfill us uh, entirely. But when, yeah. we, when you place that trust in, in a relationship, as I did, you know, experiencing, yeah. it was a very emotionally, uh, kind of emotionally mature relationship, you know, 16. Yeah, I guess. Okay. You know. Yeah. The um, long story short, I guess, she broke up with me really suddenly, like after mm. three months. And that just tore me to shreds. Yeah, right. I was absolutely just um, yeah, heartbroken. Kind of. um, yeah, because I built up, you know, she was, she was my everything. You know, she was a person yeah. who, was, who was meant to, to well, I was meant to find my security, my, my self-esteem, um, and all these things. And so when I, when I was taken away from me, it was like, um, it was like everything, and I remember yeah. having a very visceral reaction to that, and I was just scared. A lot of despair, depression, sorrowful, like, you know, but also you know, panic attacks. But it's very painful. Right. Um, and I wasn't really prone to that. It was the first time I experienced that. I don't think I've really experienced it again. But it was such a visceral reaction to that, that spiritual, that emotional attachment sure. that I had to this person. That manifested itself physically. Right? Mm. Think about the kind of the intensity of the pain. Yeah, right. 
this one. Yeah. Um, so dealing with that was very difficult. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of broke ministry, kind of broke communication often. Mm. And things were hard to kind of really adjust to that. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of yeah, a, bit, a bit about, you know, and I went back to counseling during that time as well. And that actually helped a lot. Um, back to see my old counselor that I was seeing before and mm. just putting things in perspective again. But there was, there was still a lot, still a lot of healing uh, needed to be done because, you know, yeah, realizing, you know, that relationship was obviously especially mature and, and realizing my mistakes mm. and then putting yourself like, what did I do wrong? You know, what would happen? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my experience with anxiety, depression, hmm. and those things. Right. Did you, like, when you, when it all happened, um, what did your, what did your mates say about it? Because I guess they were also, like, a sort of home for you, um, and being close with them, like, means a lot to you. So what was their kind of reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, um, I think they were obviously trying to help me through it, you know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like don't worry about it. You know, um, kind of just move on. Mm. There was so much, you know, emotional energy involved there. Um, and so that was that was that was kind of. Um, there's only so much you know, <laughs> sixty-hour mates could really mm. um, provide. But in the sense, I was really going into myself as well. You know, mm. it was hard to talk about these things with my mum or you know, um, my friends. Because it's, it's not really something you talk about either. It's like, nah. it's like oh, it's, it's all about, you know, the, the positives or the kind of uh, victories. I don't like to you know, say victories. But, yeah. You know, girls or, or trophies to be one or something. Um, even though that, that culture, that, that kind of mentality is, I think, it's very destructive. Mm. Um, but that was a sense of it, you know? Like, yeah. That's what you talk about. You don't talk about the losses. You don't talk about the rejections. Yeah. Um, and and so talking talking about that, um, it just just wasn't we can talk about. It. You were going to talk about, yeah. You know, and no one wants to talk about the rejection. You know, I felt so rejected in that. that. Mm. And uh, am I am I good enough? Am I man enough? You know? Yeah. And all these questions are playing by heart and, and mind, you know. Yeah, you got to like maintain that image that you yeah. want people to kind of have of you. That's right. Like yeah. all, all we'll put together. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess throughout that, did you, when you, when you saw that, um, the counselor, was it like a, a school counselor or like just an outside one? It was an outside, um, yeah, outside. Yeah. Um, what was, I guess the, um, I guess the structure of how that played out? Like, were you kind of just sitting down like face to face, um, did, it, did you have any, I guess, strategies of coming out of that or was it more just kind of like sitting there and like fleshing out, getting all your feelings out? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it was It was more so yeah, fleshing out things. Um, but it was really hard because I was just really... Uh, it was hard. It was very... It was kind of like, well, how do I talk about this? And you yeah. have the words, but Things going on, I guess, in my heart. But yeah, it, it, it was kind of 
Yeah, if you give me strategies of mindfulness, because um, yeah, being present to, 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 to my emotions, core feelings, you know, how I feel, um, and all those things were, were, were good. But, I mean, there was still kind of, I, I guess for me, like, in the, in the background of all this kind of this relationship, um, I was kind of going on this spiritual journey as well. Yeah. Um, and in the context of all that, that kind of starting this relationship, in the background, what kind of the foreground to that was actually um, like going on this pilgrimage. So something called World Youth Day. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah, my brother went to that actually. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's such a cool, cool thing I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Poland. It was 2016, and this was the same year. Uh, mm. And went to Poland, went to Italy. And during that experience, I had this really deep encounter with God. Like, I was in this church and I was just so overwhelmed by the beauty and the glory of, you know, where I was and just kind yeah. of being in Italy where my, my grandparents are from. It's kind of overwhelmed. It's being with my friends, you know, that's a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. And there was this moment where I was really thanking God and, and I really encountered this, this kind of, it was a really spiritual moment where God touched my heart in a deep mm. way. And he kind of said to me, like, he said to me, like, yeah, like, I, you know, I was the only for this relationship at the time and, and things kind of fell into place. So I was like, yes, thank God, thanking God. And, um, and through that, it was kind of like, yeah, God, I, 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 I want to satisfy you. God. I, want, I want to be the source of your happiness. Mm. Um, and so I found God in that, which was, which was profound. Right. And I continued to develop this relationship with prayer and things like that. Um, and kind of related to this, this relationship, the things were kind of simultaneously happen, happening in terms of um, initiating this relationship. Mm. And I realized that God is important, like bigger than myself. And I guess in terms of growing up, like before that, in, in as early years of high school, because I was seeking this popularity and this you know, be respected, you know, I was kind of seeking that in kind of disordered ways in that I was being rude, arrogant. Right. You know, I was quite, you know, bright, abrasive, boxious at times. Mm. Um, because I had this, this kind of sense of self-worth or kind of sense of I'm better than others or I'm more popular. Right. Um, and then but in that moment, I realized, well, well that's, yeah, because it doesn't really matter. It's something bigger than me, which is God. Yeah. And living living kind of a life that, I guess, realizing that God is the source of happiness and kind of, and I was saying before, like, we have these, these deep yearnings, these desires, and they're almost like, there's this cry of our heart, the aches, there's an ache of our heart. You know, we, want, we want more. You know, this mm. life kind of never satisfies. Right. And, and when we try, there's like almost a God-shaped hole in our heart. We try to fill it with finite things. Mm. It never quite satisfies. And I experienced that in a real intense way in this relationship when she broke up with me. And that was a kind of finite mm. thing I realized. Um, I had to turn to God in that, that moment. And so I guess my, you know, and I'm not. I don't want to say at all. Like you know, counseling was wasn't wasn't useful. It was. It definitely yeah. was. Um, psychologically, like mentally, yeah. but there was a, there was a spiritual uh, healing, spiritual kind of um, element to this. That or it was kind of a, on on the level of our desires, you know, yeah. where um, I had to turn back to God to realize I, I kind of put my trust, my certainty, my happiness. In a person, I kind of conflated this kind of 
this joyful experience of God yesterday, this relationship. Hmm. And I, I knew it was God who was giving me these good things, but I kind of put that into a person and made her into my God, you know, in terms of buying that security. That's yeah. It's interesting. And right. so when I was taken away from it, I had to, to, to re- reassess things, you know. Hmm. Almost, uh, like, I have these, these infinite longings in my heart. Like, I mean, it's fulfilled by the infinite, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's so hard when, when you just look around and we're, we're on this kind of earthy, earthy you know, life and there's so many distractions and things that pull us in different directions. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's interesting with, um, when you talk about, um, I guess, mental health and like finding yourself, um, it's so similar to religion. Now I'm not like a religious person, but I'm never someone to, I don't like, I don't want to dispute or anything. Like I, I think I'm, I'm very interested in religion and all the different things it can teach. I like to kind of take certain things and add them to my world. Um, but with religion, you said you kind of, um, I guess found yourself in, in a way you looked outside of um, yourself. You realized you could kind of give yourself to a higher power. You give yourself to this, um, to this um, notion that, you know, the world's bigger than just, just me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Did you like, did, well, what age was that? Was that like a couple of years after, I guess the breakup? Well, that was kind of when I was 16, 17. So it was kind of yeah. all kind of immediate. Um, Cause I had this experience with God before the relationships. I knew God was real. I knew God was yeah. really working my life. Um, and he was present to me. Mm. Um, but then I kind of gone away from that a little bit in this relationship. Um, yeah. And then realizing I had to come back to that and find my, my peace, my healing. Yeah. And I did find a, a lot of healing. And it was, it was a long process, like time, you know, time heals all wounds. Right, yeah. So that was, it was kind of old year 12. And, um, and so, yeah, I think there was, there was just dealing with, you know, and this didn't even question of love, like what is, you know, how am I meant to love? Like, yeah, this went wrong, or this this stuffed up, or this didn't go as I planned. What yeah. went wrong? You know? I started looking for answers about you know, what is true love. What is what does love look like? And mm. when I went looking for those answers, I went I, being in a concert of Catholic school and this Catholic faith, I looked at the Catholic Church, and mm. there were several speakers at the time, usually from America, who speak on particularly like love, uh, sex, marriage, these things. And I was talking about you know, this, this, this authentic love or this kind of true love that doesn't use people, you know, that doesn't, um, you know, try to get something from someone else in a relationship, but I rather is about giving, you know, yourself as a gift to the other person, receiving the gift of the other person. Yeah. Um, as a gift, you know, and not something to be used or to be, um, you know, Discarded when it's no longer you know, satisfies. Yeah, I guess the, the church's ethics around sexuality and and or how to love properly to to really will the good of the other. Mm. Um, because I think so much like our our kind of image of love or kind of our formation in love in love is really kind of superficial. It's all that you know the, the uh, physical kind of um, you know, growing up, like at least watch shows like jo- Jersey Shore, Geordie Shore, 
Yeah. You know, these guys, you know, ripped as, you know, it's like, all the visuals. Music. They're going yeah. out, sleeping for these girls. And that was kind of my formation in masculinity and, and how to be a man, how to be, how to be a true man, how to love. Right. Love. But yeah. really, when you look, look at the surface, like that causes so much pain and hurt. Um, when, it, when it just stays at this level of, whether it's physical use, like you're just using something for pleasure. Yeah. Um, or you're, you're using something for emotional pleasure. It never ends right. Like it never ends well. Yeah. Um, I guess another, another part of kind of, uh, this kind of relationship with, with this, this girl in high school was, you know, we were sexually active and yeah. the thing was there, like, uh, sex bonds people like chemically like kind of it binds them. I think there's I can't remember the, the chemical there's kind of a I think it's oh, oxytocin or something like that right yeah it actually binds someone and also women experience this particularly three times or kind of three experiences in sex or in uh, childbirth and even breastfeeding where they have this bond this kind of there's a physical physicality of the chemistry exchange of chemistry I guess yeah. Um, it actually binds you to this person, but at the same time, kind of blinds you. Kind of, it, it impairs your critical thinking. It kind of, you think about a mother's love for a child, no matter what they do. Yeah. You know, um, it's like um, they'll never stop loving their child. You know, yeah. They do the worst pain spin. Mm. And so you see this, you see this all the time with friends and kind of different relationships where you, you have your friends, this person's not good for you. Like, um, can't you see that, you know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, um, even with some of my friends are saying this, they could see it was unhealthy relationship anyways, but yeah. you can't quite see it because you're kind of blinded or it kind of impairs your kind of ability to really judge rightly about these things. Yeah. And so there was, there was this, this bond, this, this really kind of uh, spiritual bond, but I mean, a chemical bond, mm-hmm. but also call it a spiritual bond because I think the physical and the spiritual are so united, like yeah. there's a composite, there's a, there's an inseparability to it. Um, and so getting over that was difficult. And I was learning these kind of, and, and I was doing these different programs. There's something called Theology of the Body. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. Um, no, nah, I haven't, no. And it, it's this kind of, it comes from um, St. John Paul II, so one of the popes a couple of years back. And he gave this kind of, this huge kind of um, teaching or kind of, he wrote this book on love, marriage, sex, and what the meaning of kind of uh, our bodies are. Our bodies um, are so much more than just kind of, um, they are, we are our bodies, you know? Like, yeah. if, if someone was coming to punch me, they'll punch me in the arm or punch me in the head, I wouldn't say, why did you punch my body? Or why did you punch my face? I'd, I'd naturally say, why did you punch me? Nah. Um, and so he talks about you know, our bodies, our, our lives you know, as a gift that should be respected, but also cherished and loved. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but... No, that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but I discovered that you know, real love is, is sacrificial. It's, it's, um, it's willing to go to the other. It's not using someone for your emotional, physical pleasure, but giving yourself entirely to them. I mean, you, when you really look yeah. at, I mean, you look at the sexual act, but physically you're saying, I'm giving myself completely to you. you know? mm. I, I, you know, there's this, there's this um, 
certain sense which I, I give myself wholeheartedly to use. But I think that that's the real, that's what the the, the act means. Like I give you a shake of the hand, you know, like it's, it, it expresses something, not only physical, like love, but it expresses something spiritual with friends or with, you know, I respect you. Yeah. Um, or a hug or a kiss. You go, you go up the level, you hug, a kiss, and then yeah. you know, there's, there's a spiritual uh, element to that. And, and, and when, when it's not accompanied by this emotional, spiritual, um, yes, to like, like, I agree, I want to give my, my rest of my life to you. But how can you say that when you're 16? Or how can you say yeah. that when you're not prepared to say that? You know? mm. But the thing is, you're saying that. And you're kind of lying to each other. You know? Yeah. Um, but just to kind of so, get it going or just to kind of make it work at the time. Yeah. And I was listening to these guys, American speaking, saying like often like uh, guys use 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 love to get sex. So they might say, "Oh, you're really beautiful," and they use all these fluffy words, you know. Yeah. And whatever, like they really put it, and then they they just want sex, you know. Yeah. Um, and then they leave, just kind of abandon the girl, or whatever. Or on the other side, the thing is, girls usually use sex to get love. Like they mm. they're, they're more emotional, you could say. Yeah, okay. They focus more on, on that emotional intimacy rather than physical intimacy, as we say. And if, if, the, if the woman or the girl is using sex to get love and then the man is using uh, love to get sex, and then it's kind of a divide there. Once once you get that, the man doesn't want that love, he just wants that pleasure. And the woman wants, doesn't really, like, doesn't care. Not obviously, the sexual means are meant to, you know express ourselves mm. um, in that way. But, yeah, there, there, was, there was a spiritual element to what I was doing and this kind of um, re- learning how to love again or how to love properly. Mm. And that led to a, a lot of healing because it gave me answers. It gave me, okay, I wasn't, you know, being uh, entirely, you know, um, Respectful this person, I wouldn't be as loving as I could have been. Mm. Um, and you know, that, that, uh, and I was able to get over that, you know, through time, through healing, through kind of just moving on with life. And, yeah. You know, um, and even at times, there was raw emotional uh, reaction to it. Yeah. Um, over time, that heals, and then you're able to take that lesson and take it to new relationships to, to, you know, um, rest of your life and, and I think that's what I learned you know through mm. all that because um, I think uh, our sexuality uh, uh, is a deep core of who we are when they're, mm. when they're broken when they're kind of disordered or when they're um, abused mm. um, you know there, there's a deep hurt there's a deep wound woundedness that we need to kind of to deal with and it's so hard yeah it'd be interesting to see if there's like a statistic that um that kind of shows how young relationships like do they last like what percentage of them last because a lot of them and speaking from my own experience most of them like pretty much all of them so far i've learned lessons from you know i've either like made mistakes or i just haven't gone about things the right way or they haven't gone about things the right way and i use it as a lesson but at that point in time when you're with them, um, there is that kind of chemical um, thing that 
that blinds you, I guess it blinds you, but yes, it does blind you. And you, you think, Oh yeah, I want to be with this person like forever. And, um, and that's, yeah, that's like a really interesting point to make. It's obviously not where, where you want people to kind of shy away from it just because they don't want to get hurt. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting. And with, um, you're talking about like, you kind of, you go from like your, the handshake and then you go like the hug, the kiss and you move up, um, I guess the ladder of, of those, um, of that intimacy. Um, I think with like what I've learned is that throughout, I guess my, um, sexual career, if you will, it's, it kind of went very slowly. Like it went from like the hugging and the kissing and it, it developed into other things. And then my relationship I have now, we had to go back down to the, the starting level and build that up. Um, but that's something that like, I really recommend to other people because you really appreciate every stage of that experience if you kind of can slow it down and, um, and yeah, like take your time with it. Um, anyway, that's just like a little something I was yeah, thinking definitely. about. And I think, yeah. I think um, this, uh, this probably sounds yeah. Crazy to a lot of the world, and it's, it's, it's so uncommon that yeah, the yeah. church teaches same sex for marriage, yeah, yeah. And you know, growing up, that wasn't what I was taught at all, like in terms of not just in the church, but by culture, by society, by movies, by TV. Mm. Um, and it, it was so incomprehensible till yeah. um, I went through this kind of experience and was able to realize. But maybe there is some wisdom there, you know, like yeah. because the body is saying something so profound. It's saying it's basically saying what you know you say on your wedding day. These, these kind of four vows I give yourself you know, fully, um, faithfully, freely, mm. um, you know, and fruitfully. You know, open to life, open to bringing children to the yeah. world with you. Um, and that's what that's what the body's saying. It's like I want to I want to do all these things with you. Emotionally, you might you might be on a level where I want to I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Um, but are you are you willing to do that? You know, fully. I suppose are you willing to give yourself fully to this person? And I guess yeah. how can you give yourself fully if you don't know yourself fully yet? You know, mm. who you are. You don't even know your vocation, like kind of your career. Um, yeah. And I guess yeah. I mean, if there's younger viewers, I'd recommend. Yeah, you know, I, I come from a religious perspective, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, same sex for marriage, but also yeah, taking things slow and, and, and not rushing to things that you're not willing to, to commit to yeah. on an emotional level. I mean, you might, you might be physical, I mean, but you might be very physically ready to go yeah. um, far up, but <laughs> there, there's, there's, a, there's a lot more to it. Uh, and that, that's the biggest thing I think our, our, our society does it. Pay attention to the emotion of the site. Um, the emotional, or it does the emotional to a extent, but to the spiritual uh, reality or kind of. But I've studied a bit of philosophy called meta metaphysics, kind of beyond yeah. the physical. Um, there's there's a metaphysical reality or kind of objectivity to, to our lives, to mm. how we approach everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, when you, cause like you, when you saw the, like the counseling, you said like, definitely it like helped. Um, but it was kind of like that stepping stone into something greater. 
and that something greater was finding God and finding your religion. That's, um, that's really what I can say for myself in a way that's like, yeah, hundred percent go to count, go to counseling and, and talk and flesh out everything. But in the end, you, in terms of finding yourself, you really got to do it in your own way. You've got to kind of step out into the world and, um, kind of just like see what you want from it. Um, it's, it's, Men, like anything with mental health, it comes from a complete honesty with yourself. Um, if you're not honest with yourself, you're going to continue to uh, repeat the same mistakes and run the same patterns. Like the, the definition of insanity is like doing the exact same thing and expecting like different results. And so when you go to a therapist and you flesh out your feelings, and then you step out into the world. It's all about like grabbing it and being like, okay, well, what do I, what actually gives me purpose? What actually like makes me happy and um, gets me up in the morning? Um, and that's something that just like absolute and like with religion, it's it's something that um, that I know people who like are religious are completely devout and it's like their life. Um, and they tend to not when they, when they have that faith, they don't complicate things. Um, around it that they, they just kind of think of life as like, sweet, I'm just going to do my thing and follow the laws that I've kind of um, been grown to like believe in. Um, but yeah, have you, have you had your own, um, I guess, with your faith, have you had your own, I guess, doubts throughout, I guess, hard times, maybe even recently, but just in general, has it ever um, been, I guess, that hard that you've doubted that faith? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, yeah, especially growing up, was kind of, yeah, I grew up in a faith that it wasn't a, um, a well-explained faith, you know, I would say. Yeah. And there were so many other influences in my life, like social media and TV. And, yeah. Um, and so, like, and as I said, I was kind of, I wasn't really, really grew up with this understanding of you know, this formation that same-sex marriage was saying. But I, I'm definitely down that and I came to a greater certainty after um, but yeah I mean there's, there's a lot of things where um, you doubt when, when you're when you feel so and your, your desire aren't being really satisfied you feel this longing this groaning this ache in our heart that just kind of <clears throat> um, never seems to be satisfied you're always seeking more is there more to this life mm. and you do doubt like you're like is there more to this like is it just this you know um is this just life? Um, is, is this earthly life all that matters, or is there something after that? Yeah. I think one mm. of the things that Christianity, one of the ways Christianity is being presented in society, other kind of two ways, maybe um, it can be like kind of stifling desires, like kind of sex is bad, or you know, having fun is bad, or alcohol is bad. Yeah. These things are bad, so like avoid them or you'll go to hell, you know? Right, yeah. But, um, True freedom, true happiness doesn't come from fear, fear at all. Like fear is never um, a way to happiness. You don't fear right. your way into happiness. Yeah. Um, you desire your way into happiness, and and that comes from like a um, not from this starvation gospel that you know this is bad. You can't indulge in this. You can't you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it comes from this. Or and on the other end, um, there's this kind of starvation kind of. Oh, don't avoid this, don't do it. 
is just kind of negative. Mm. And then on the other hand, there's might be this kind of fast food, like you can um, indulge in everything. Um, I mean, I was, I was driving past Macca's the other day, or kind of a couple months ago, mm. and there's, there's, there's um, these banners of uh, McFlurries, yeah. like three of them, indulge, 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 you're driving mm. past. And the world kind of says that, you know, uh, indulge in resources or resort, you know, indulge um, at any any cost, but you know, like yeah, you know, the cost of others or um, indulge in, in in getting yourself first and kind of putting yourself first. And that's not not always bad, but you're yeah. always doing that. Um, just yeah, kind of And so, but I think yeah, Christianity what it offers is, is like um, it's not like these things are bad, sex, alcohol, happiness, fun. Yeah. These are glimpses of what's to come. Like these are, these are aspects or this or, or kind of um, nuggets of this happiness that I I hold out for you. Like look, the Lord, like the first thing the Lord says in the Gospels, He says this. Like, he doesn't say He doesn't list all these rules or say you shouldn't do this, should that. He actually says, "What do you want?" Like mm. his disciples come up to him and they're following him, and he turns around and he's like, "What do you want?" Like. Um, what do you seek? He said, actually. Hmm. And they said, um, they, they say, you know, uh, where do you live? You know? And he said, come and see. Like, and, and, and that's like, that's not, I didn't get that formation um, until kind of a bit older and realizing the Lord wants, you know, he wants to fill out every desire. Um, hmm. And when you, when you, when you realize the gospel that, you know, um, Christ died for our sins so that we might enjoy this kind of heavenly banquet, um, this, this kind of marriage feast, this, 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 um, uh, this, this ultimate love that we all desire. Yeah. Um, and having hope in that, that's where that, that hope, like you see Christians are very hopeful, they, they hope that their desires will be satisfied and not, and, and realizing it won't, they won't be completely entirely satisfied in this life. Um, yeah. I think C.S. Lewis says, you know, if, if nothing in this world satisfies, uh, I think as long as maybe, maybe we're not met, made for this world, you know, alone. Right. Also, we're made for this, this world to live in it. We've been given this life to live. Hmm. Um, but maybe we're not made for this world. Maybe there's, there's something greater. And it, it'd be kind of, um, I mean, people can take kind of this naturalistic say, but there's, there's nothing, you know, like, and so a person of faith, they can really believe in all of these rules and there'll be nothing after death. You know? Yeah. Um, or you yeah. could just be atheist and say, oh, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's going to be nothing. So I'm just going to live well. Yeah. Um, but I guess the wager I, I would put to someone like that would be like, well, um, if the gospel is true, if God is true, there's this heaven and this hell. I think there's a kind of misconception about hell being this kind of, fiery infernal place and it's been presented as that but yeah really in the christian context it's basically being separated from god we use the ultimate goodness ultimate happiness um ultimate destiny yeah the ultimate fulfillment being separated from that um would be so hard uh it would be be kind of hellish but there's a desire, there's a hope that my, my deepest desires will be fulfilled. Um, yeah. And I can't put all my eggs in this, this earthly basket. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, just, they're just icons. Like, you know, you're driving on a road trip and you see a, see a Macca sign 
<coughs> and you like big Maccas and imagine you pull out and jump, you know, get out of the, out of the um, your car and start climbing up the pole and start trying to eat the Macca sign. <laughs> when it's only there's two k's down the road, it's like it's yeah. a sign of of what's become of your destiny. Interesting, <laughs> but it's it's not it's not the actual it's not the actual Macca. It's not the, not the thing you actually want. Yeah, yeah. I think society always says, "Oh, this is what you want." Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is yeah. everything, you know. Like your friends, oh, this is everything. Yeah, and it goes with it. Or how how successful you are in business, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, it is important. <laughs> Good relations, but yeah, um, they're not the be all and end all in in this kind of space. Yeah, Catholic faith, you know, context of that. Yeah, exactly. You're always told uh, this is what you want. Um, and that's that's why a lot of people struggle with their own, I guess, self-esteem because they don't exactly know what they want from this life. Like if you think of it in the broad sense, like what do I want from this life? I think a lot of people don't know a big answer. And that's not like a dig at anyone because I'm still trying to find that out myself. Um, but yeah, that's like a, that's a really important thing. It comes from... Um, I, th- I think a lot of just, you know, you're always told, um, be yourself, you know, and do, do what you, yeah, do what you believe in. I try to flip that notion sometimes because like sometimes you just don't know who you're going to be, but if you just trial and error, you put yourself out there, you try different interests, different passions. Um, and like, you know, like a religion, if you try that and you kind of, and it becomes your life, then like, great. Um, and if not, it's just like a trial and error thing and you're just trying different things and you say, okay, this thing really speaks to me. You know, this is actually what I want to give myself to. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's like the sad thing about the, um, I guess, you can say maybe, maybe consumerism or I guess I just what you're taught to believe or what you're taught to um, hold close to your heart of these wants instead of there being needs. Um, that you mm. give yourself to um, is has that with social media like has that ever been uh, something that's blinded you or has it helped like how has that experience been with experience social media? Yes, that's a, that's a big one. I mean, social media, I think, it's definitely blinded me in many ways, and it still does. You know, there's, there's that attachment to it, um, mm. <laughs> and you kind of you touched on consumerism, we just kind of. We're defined by, you know, sometimes a lot of people today are kind of defining your happiness and getting a package, you know. And that's an exciting thing. I was really like happy to get the book set of Lord of the Rings, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this kind of uh, immediate gratification that we, uh, that this is, this is kind of accelerated by social media, where it's like next thing, next thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you keep scrolling, and, and the worst part of it is like you get to after three hours binge on YouTube and it's like, or whatever it is, it's like this is yeah. it didn't, it didn't satisfy me. I thought the next video would, you know, actually fulfill me or kind of um, give you that hit. Yeah. Know? The more you take hits, it's, it's, it's you want more, you want more. It's, it's well, the way that the things work. It's like a, it's like um, the poking machine. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's why the that. algorithm. Um, yeah, scrolling kind of. and so it's actually yeah rewires the brain to think I need to be immediately satisfied every moment of the day mm. um, 
day and night, and and that's uh, and that that takes a big toll on your on your happiness and your mental yeah. health because Definitely. you condition yourself. I need to be happy all the time, and when that's taken away from you, that's um, that's what reality is like. You're not immediately gratified um, all the time, every, every moment. But when you're conditioned to think that, I just, I mean, I, I grew up with a phone, and we kind of, we probably both grew up with social media. Yeah, I think I got um, posted when I was ten. You know? Yes, actually. Yeah, <laughs> if you remember MSN. Oh, I don't think I ever uh, got into MSN. But like, yeah, like I heard of it, but yeah, never. Yeah, never that was a classic one like that. too. Yeah, um, but yeah, Facebook and that, um, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, those, these are all things were like year eight. I think year eight, Snapchat came on, um, mm. and but I feel like it's worse today. Like, there's so much more out there, and mm. um, I was able to find this freedom in terms of realizing it's. So this is not good for me, like uh, being on my phone all the time. Yeah. And even sleep, like, keeps you up, man. Like, mm. if you're, it's hard to go to sleep when you're on your phone. So, a couple of years ago, I mean, I've been doing this for a while now. I just leave my phone downstairs. I don't touch, I don't bring it up to my bed. Yeah. Um, just so I can get to sleep well. Um, mm. And you realize that sleep is a huge thing to say, social media impacts that. Um, and if that's the first thing you go to in the morning as well, it's like, um, social media, you can have it. Get straight to your phone, yeah. It's like, it, one, it's not exciting. Like, you can seem exciting for some news story, but yeah, it all sounds the same after a while, and then it all just kind of uh, gets boring. And, and you become passive, you know, like, as much as we're, you know, we're meant to take life, you know, go out and take life by the boards, if you will, yeah, and be active. And I, I wouldn't say. As humans, we don't completely, you know, we're, we're self-determining, you know, we, we get to make our own decisions, but um, we're, not, we're not self-creating, like we don't uh, create ourselves and, and our circumstances, you know, mm. everything. But there's a certain sense in which we're called to be active, we're called to work, we're called to, you know, put out, apply ourselves to things. But when you always actually just receive whatever's TikTok's next or whatever's story. Yeah, and you're just being passive. You're kind of going against your own nature, especially as as men. I think I've discovered um, as a man, we're caught to to initiate things, like just biologically, you're a man trying to see. But um, there's a sense in which we're active. If you go, yeah, you know, as growing up, we we want to go out and explore and play. We play contact sports, and yeah, um, you know, we all you know we wrestle with our brothers and. We, there's this battle, you know, we want to fight and kind of play the toy guns to be active and go on adventures and, you know, <clears throat> um, see beautiful things and, mm. and do things. I mean, that's the stifle. It kind of stifles, you know, my masculinity, my identity as a man in that mm. and just kind of being passive all the time rather than being active, being a leader, being, you know, um, someone who helps others to some of that. Yeah, get, gets outside of themselves, but you, you just go into yourself so much more. It's this, this, you know, uh, you're in a little box, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of, you know, TV is this big, and now the, the screen's went down to the iPad. Now it's and just this, like, that, like, and it's flat. Yeah. And you just, you, it narrows you, it narrows your vision, it narrows you the world, like you're not getting out as much. Um, mm. Sometimes I just got to chuck my phone away and 
couple of my friends actually it says um got rid of their, their smartphones and right. they to dumb phones, you know, Nokia's and whatnot, because they've just seen that we're not made to just, and, and really we are kind of consumers in that, we're not meant to be consuming, we're just consuming information ideas and <clears throat> we're actually being made money out of like marketing, kind of collects what we see and directs things. And, yeah. And then the other thing, so like social media is you can, you can go into the echo chamber as well, just listening to the same voices that <clears throat> you agree with rather than, um, <clears throat> yeah, so much as you said. Yeah, I'd say like, yeah, just kind of put it away, put restrictions. I have restrictions on my phone, like locks me out after two hours, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, if I'm just on a YouTube binge or whatever, it locks me out, <clears throat> which is good, and, and, and it affects my productivity. Um, yeah. And that, that, that in turn affects my kind of self worth. I'm like, I'm not getting things done, um, and I'm kind of frustrating my future self. I know Jordan Peterson, I think you've read much with him. Um, yeah, yeah, I like Jordan Peterson, yeah. Yeah, I remember his first book, his first book was kind of saying something about, don't do something that will annoy your future self. Like, <laughs> um, don't, you know, you're going to negotiate with yourself, kind of. You're negotiating with your future self all the time. Like, if I do this now, if I decide to go on YouTube rather than my assignment, I'm going to be more stressed out on, yeah. on Monday when it's due, you know. Um, and and I think yeah, it's kind of like um, you, you don't you, if you did what you had to do today, you wouldn't have to worry about the future. You know? Yeah. Um, and and I think a lot of a lot of part of anxiety and kind of you experience this anxiety, or I think it's natural with study and that it's like um, for me, I, I probably don't stress up, I don't stress enough to get things done, so I just leave things last minute, and that's yeah. when the stress really comes up. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's so much to say. Yeah. Probably negatively. Um, yeah. We have to also realize positives and information and learning what we're doing right now. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hope to at least get people on a, a different wave. Um, right. There are great stuff. There's great stuff like on social media. Um, and I know you're not completely saying it's negative. Um, but yeah, there, there is some great stuff to discover and to kind of give your energy to. Like I got on a... Um, I went on a binge the other day and it was just a bunch of these like meditation videos. And it's just like, it's, it's not, there's nothing like bad with that. You just kind of put it on and then you kind of close your eyes and, and you listen to what they're saying. So yeah, there is some, some really cool things. I wanted to ask with um, your brothers. So you have two older brothers, you're the youngest. Um, and your, yeah. and your, so your older brothers at what age? Uh, Daniel's 28 and Nick's 25. Right. It's like kind of identical to like me and my situation. I'm 21. My middle brother is 23 and like oldest brother is like 26. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I think, yeah, I guess what I want to ask is how is their um, support and understanding being throughout the years? have they had that same faith um, developed? Like, how was their response to your um, struggles, your anxiety, um, and at, at times depression? How has that um, response been? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my brothers. Yeah, I mean, they kind of they kind of really initiated me in, in many ways in terms of from learning to ride a bike to driving to 
kind of helping me out. Yeah. You know, working and different things. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit different to my brothers um, in terms of both my older brothers, are, they're tradies, so I'm the front row, I'm the landscaper. Yeah. I'm obviously taking this education, mm. uh, teaching. And so I, I, I've always been a bit, I guess, a bit different to my brothers. Um, and, you know, like I've always cherished my relationship with them. Um, but I guess kind of similar to my, my friends, there's never kind of a misguided deeper level or kind of a emotional mental health kind of our focus is so, you know like keep the footy around yeah um, you know now when we get older there's, there's obviously you know, my other brother got married a couple of years ago mm. um, there are there's just kind of deepening relationships but at the time I think yeah I didn't really leave I guess I can live their own lives and lean on too much um, yeah but in terms, of, in terms of my faith, I think um, they're, they're not so much practicing either. Uh, I mean, okay. we grew up, all grew up Catholic. Yeah. But I've kind of taken a more intense kind of, uh, yeah, um, expression of it, I guess. Um, and so I've really gone into my faith more and more. And they, they're kind of, yeah, they're not against the faith or anything. But they're just kind of, um, so I don't, I don't quite share that. I think, um, I think we all, as men, I was reading, I've been reading this book, I just read this book called Art at Heart, it talks about the man, a man's soul and, you know, mm. um, and we need kind of this uh, this brotherhood to kind of affirm our identity as men, as, as brothers. We look yeah. for validation in other guys, you know? Yeah. Um, ultimately, we look for validation in our fathers. We're first and foremost in our fathers. Yeah. As sons, you know. And that's an important relationship that kind of, when, it, when it's lacking or kind of, I think, can cause a lot of wounds and kind of, am I good enough? I think as, as men, we always question, am I man enough? And, yeah. It's, uh, and this book kind of details kind of, it's kind of the role of the father to really validate that. Uh, mm. I mean, no father is perfect. You know? mm. um, and all fathers have an imperfect father as well. So, mm. you know, where you know, you you kind of experience the kind of your father's not being present as much and you're growing up or even some if you know um, is that growing up without a father you always question my mother. But then you also take that to to your brothers, you know, to identify with you like um you know, like at school, like I, I my all my friends not all my friends, like I, I was friends with everyone, but the group of friends I, I usually hang out with is all kind of Italian, European kind because of, we identify with each other a bit more. Yeah, um, of course. We find that, found that affirmation. And mm. I think today, like, um, good masculine friendships, I just, in America, there's a report that uh, men are less, like, 15% of men in America in the survey, so they don't have any close friends, you know? Right. Um, and that's increased like uh, in three percent or something in two thousand or in the nineteen nineties or something. So it's yeah. increased quite considerably. And you think about men's mental health as well. Yeah. Um, it's 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 yeah, disastrous suicide rate. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's terrible. Um, and you're yeah, having this kind of brotherhood around you to say like, yeah, I'm I'm in like this is my identity. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of iron sharpens iron as well. Um, and so I think that's it's so important. And my brothers, you know, 
there is a yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a great relationship there in terms of. You know, I was working for a brother yesterday. He does landscaping. Yeah. Just being for the other working on the side, it, it was great. Like you, you know. Um, yeah. And having that affirmation, but I think I was I was going to a point like so many male friendships are characterised by this kind of banter, and it's always good to have banter. Yeah. Man. Of course. Sometimes it, it can be kind of quite negative and quite, yeah. Oh, you're crap, or you're just kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's this toxic kind of. Yeah, it kind of tears you yeah, down like, sometimes. That's yeah. like the banter. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the level of the friendship, you know? Right. And then, you know, oh, we're just joking around. I'm just mucking around. I don't mean that. But like, yeah. Then you start to question, do they really mean that? Is that really true? Yeah. Um, is there truth to that? Am I just a wimp? Am I just, you know? Mm. Um, shit at footy or you know yeah um it's like yeah you, you, you're like oh am i good enough and all these kind of these things go up and just like i'm not good enough i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try i'm not gonna kind of give it a real go yeah um, and that's there yeah, that's, that's a big and recently the last couple of years i've actually um been able to kind of find a kind of brotherhood in terms of you know in terms of my church community yeah, have kind of, we started a fraternity, so there's about uh, 10 to 12 of us we catch up briefly on Sundays, and we just kind of we have actually got kind of a, something called a field guide. We just check in with each other how we've been going. Yeah, we also set each other challenges, like um, whether it be you know exercise at the same time of the week, or it might be a prayer challenge. Or, yeah, um, doing something, you know, arms giving challenge, supporting someone. So we actually mm. challenge each other to be better. <laughs> and also, we 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 identify, you know, in, in our base lives as well. Yeah. Um, and that's been that's been really really awesome in terms of overcoming bad 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 vices and and bad habits. Um, mm. But also, kind of, you realise I'm known, I'm accounted for, um, and I have an anchor. And we, we kind of the way we structure this fraternity is um, it's ten to all of us. And, we pair up and we call them anchors. So we check in daily, um, ah. see how we're going. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty brilliant in terms of you know, knowing your brother got your back and know you can just vent. Like I've been calling a mate most days and we're just, we're just venting about lockdown, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's good. Like you get off the phone and you're like, okay, this felt good. Like I'm just going to, and we're discussing it. What's what's been your high and low of this day, like today? Um, yeah. What's been going on with you? What's your what, what are your goals? What are you, you know, aspiring to at the moment? Yeah. How are you working towards that? It's, it's not as formal, but it's 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 that sense of accountability, sense context of brotherhood, fraternity. Yeah. Um, that really propels you to live a full life. You know, like a good life. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah. I, I like that idea of, of having that like fraternity. It keeps you on your toes, um, and obviously, it's a bunch of people who care about each other and calling each other every day. I, I know when I vent to my mate about it, or I just be um, getting mad about lockdown or whatever, whatever I be like talking about. Immediately afterwards, my stomach feels easy. Like I feel, I feel a bit more. I feel yeah, a bit more free with with things. Um, and now like the, the problem hasn't been solved, but that's, that's the, I guess the first step. All, a lot of us, we bottle things up and we bottle things up and then it just gets too much. And 
for some people it can be so much that they don't see another way out. Um, and so those daily check-ins and daily check-ins are like everything, even if it's just with yourself or other people, they are so important because they stop everything from boiling up and becoming too much for you to handle. Like I had a day, oh, a couple, oh, what was it? It's like, it's like four days ago. And um, I was just like not productive with uni stuff. I was trying to figure out things with um, a bunch of other stuff for like part the piece. And it was like, just like freaking out a bunch of, with a bunch of things. Um, but then I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is just today. Let me talk to someone about this. And as soon as I did, I felt a lot better about it. I had strategies with dealing those things. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I want to do this. Um, and then I just focused on that night to just enjoy and have a, like, enjoy myself. That's the thing. Um, those daily check-ins are, like, so important. And that's something that it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. Like, it's, it's so yeah. important to just keep in touch with everyone. And it doesn't have to be crazy. You just ask them a question or like, how are you going? What's, what's been happening? Um, and obviously are you okay day was yesterday. Um, but yeah, we, we need to keep that energy always. Um, yeah. So I really like that kind of fraternity thing. Does that been like recently, um, developed or is it like, as you came into the church, you've developed that? Uh, well, yeah, kind of, I, there are a couple of programs within the church. Um, so we started at the beginning of last year, and we actually grew with six of us. It started with six of us, and we started this kind of <clears throat> intense kind of spiritual challenge. It was kind of something called um, self-denial, you call it, and it was kind of a bunch of challenges that would kind of wake us out of kind of being complacent, being kind of um, passive, being kind of, uh, you know, being too comfortable, I think. Yeah. And so a lot of the challenges, it was for 90 days, for Exodus 90, it's like going to the desert for 90 days. Okay. Like cold showers, no alcohol. Cold showers. Um, <laughs> uh, that's intense. Um, yeah. You know, no, so, no unnecessary social media. Um, uh, and it's really challenging. You, we kind of took this kind of anchoring system and we took the kind of field guide system. Um, and now we've kind of adapted into our own fraternity kind of program set up. Yeah. Uh, it really awakened me out of kind of, but it, I need to be a bit more disciplined in my life. I need, like, and I felt like when I was denying myself more, um, and I wasn't always indulgent, I felt sharp in my mind. Like I was able to kind of think, is this really good for me? Or like being able to kind of exercise your will in like, I'm not going to snack. I'm not going to have that be. Yeah. Um, and, and you're exercising your will. Um, against your appetites you know mm. and like you think about it um on one side like you're thinking about it kind of like a seesaw um on one side you've got your your will and your intellect you know your mind you know your rationality you know this is good to do this is not good to do mm. but then there's actually doing that good thing or not doing it um so there's like one kid on one side who's really skinny and then on the other side is appetites and if you keep feeding your appetites and then this is that kid, or this adult jumps on the seesaw. Yeah, little kid, it'll just fling the the will and the, and the intellect. You know, I should be doing this you know? rationally. Yeah. I shouldn't be binging YouTube three hours when I've got an assignment to twelve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah. your appetite, you fed yourself. 
you know, it's kind of that, that two wolves, you know. Mm. Uh, you've got a good wolf and a, a bad wolf inside you. Which, yeah. which one is going to win? Mm. Oh, the good wolf. Eh? But no, no, it's like the one you feed more is going to win. You know? Yeah. If you're going to feed your anxiety or fear by <laughs> avoiding things, or yeah, that's going to overtake you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, where, where it actually comes from is kind of self-denial and cynicism comes from like the early church. Um, and I mean, you look at Jesus, he had 12 guys around him. Yeah. And a band of, so he kind of, this is the roadmap to freedom. And that's what it talks about. It talks about the whole point of this program we started with is freedom. Freedom from our, our addictions, our vices, our attachments. Yeah. Whether it be to, to social media, to alcohol, to to food, to pornography, these things that are harmful yeah. to us. Um, that's probably a whole nother discussion, the last one. Um, but the, it's all about freedom and being free, not from you know, restrictions, but free to do to do what you you ought to do, what what is excellent, what is good. Yeah. And I think your freedom is important. And it actually comes from the early church where there was hermits these kind of hermits that would go into the desert in Egypt and, and they'd live these really, they call it asceticism, this self-denial, lies of self-denial. But they'd mm. Eat very little and pray a lot, and meditate, contemplate. Um, like months, you know? Yeah. And, and so it kind of grew from that and it kind of carried on in different ways. There are, there are still kind of religious orders in the church that just live completely contemplative lives without like live in a rural setting and grow their vegetables and pray and work until the land. Uh, yeah. So I've, been, I've been really enriched by this 2000 year tradition and wisdom uh, and, and you know, accepting that and taking down as a 20, 21 year old has been like, wow, this is, this is, uh, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, and you obviously like you read a lot and you, um, engage in a lot of information that's um that's like really important has like there been one particular book or, or like series or something or some sort of literature that has like really um stood out for you um as you've been exploring your faith and as you as you've been exploring the world um because obviously you talk about jordan peterson as well and like there can be a range of different authors that speak to you is there a couple that um come to mind yeah i think um I mean, it's kind of a, the advent of intellectual kind of, especially with uni, yeah, mm. being able to encounter the great thinkers like Thomas Aquinas and these kind of uh, reasons for God's using this philosophy and, and this metaphysics, which is what Jordan Peterson was actually a big one. Um, yeah. My first, it was 2018, my first year of uni, and we were reading his book, and I, it was very, it was quite a difficult book, it was quite an academic book. Um, mm. He had a lot to say, you know, it kind of, Stand back with your told shoulders straight. But also as this marchiness is advocating for it. It's kind of just been up to yourself. You gotta, you know, mm. um, be willing to fight for for what is good, what is you know, what is what is best to you and to mm. others. Um, not just kind of cowering in the way. You know, make your clean your bed clean your bed bedroom. It's such practice, so it's yeah. so common sense Yeah. Um, he's been one of my yeah. Especially these intellectual kind of inquiries, and I've listened to a lot of his podcasts. But he was a big impact, and he's—I yeah. he's, um, went and seen him in 20, um, 2019, I think it was. Yeah. 
way he's stressed out so many people's lives, like especially men. Like men have been looking for these guys. Other man that's kind of is um, a leader who's who says, you know, take responsibility for your life and, and you will be able to uh, be happier rather than putting things off. Um, even like, it was a massive change, but I've got a story of my cousin who, who got into Jordan Pierce and he was kind of alcoholic and overweight. Yeah. He just kind of wasn't really you know, living his life to the full and he was able to take you know, Jordan Pierce and just change him. Like, he started running, he stopped drinking, he's been sober for almost two years now. Yeah. Um, and he's really, the Jordan Pierce was a big one. And yeah. just recently, I just mentioned it before. Uh, Wild at Heart. It's by this guy named John Elridge. Yeah. And, he, and his kind of thesis is uh, he talks about uh, the man's heart and the search for for a man's soul. So often, you, know, you hear all the time men aren't in touch with their feelings. You know. Yeah. They, they can't quite. You know, they, they don't embrace their the national identity. And his basic basic thesis is like men men's heart is made for for battle to fight um, and adventure to to live to go on. And a beauty to rescue, mm. and I kind of mentioned before this kind of battle, and I, I've I've been really influenced in my discussion with you today with a couple of um, these thoughts. Mm. Um, but there's this, this battle to fight. You we know, want to fight for something, you know. You, you have these tales of knights and, and shining armor and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, growing up, we play with guns, toy guns, and, and it can take to extreme when you're just aggressive. You use this aggression in our strategies. Disordered in a disordered way that kind of, um, yeah, really be very violent. But yeah, um, they use channel that aggression for something good, by put your energy into something good. So, but oftentimes when it's depressed, when you're like, you like know, a kid might grow up and they're not allowed to play with guns, they're not allowed to wrestle with it, it's too dangerous, they're not allowed to play football, it kind of stifles that design and to really, yeah, go yeah. out. Um, the second one is you kind of go on adventure. We all love adventures, riding our bikes, going up, and going for runs. So that's something I've been really enjoying. Um, just going for runs around. There's a nice bush lane behind me. And, um, that's been awesome. Yeah. And the last one is kind of beauty to rescue. Kind of, um, it's kind of chivalry, kind of, you know, to, to protect the dignity of women and children, protect, you know, um, you know rescue the damsel in distress. That's kind of that, that mythical archetype that yeah. we have. But and sometimes some people like maybe in this kind of modern sense are oh, women don't need saving. Yeah. But I think women women uh, want to want to be pursued. You know, they want to be. You know, they don't want to kind of when it relate when it comes to relationships. Um, man should really kind of initiate and kind of know that. You know, girl might play be hard, may may play hard to get, but they want to be pursued. They want to be know that they love. Uh, yeah. So there's many. You know, there's just three things. You know, and when those are kind of stifled or we're not allowed to go ride our bikes or, or, you know, they're being suppressed or we just have to be nice guys. We have to be well put together. Mm. Um, but we can't be wide at heart. We can't be, you know. Uh, and he talks a lot about kind of the church context. Where you've got these nice guys in Christianity that go to church, but they're not fired up. They're not passionate about anything. They just kind of live their lives, you know, mundane, like a nine-to-five job. Right. Yeah. They have their sleep and they, and they kind of fall asleep and they're, not, they're just kind of surviving rather than living. Yeah. Uh, and so that's been, um, yeah, I'd rec- definitely recommend that book. That's been, right. uh, I just read that recently last month. It's, yeah, it's really, yeah, really good. Wild at Heart. Yeah. Right at Heart, John Eldridge. 
I've, I've been getting a bit of more reading now. I used to be uh, not huge reader, but mum used to got, get us to read a lot and I've gotten into it back into it recently because it, it's, um, it's that age old thing that like, I guess the, the people who are more um, well put together, a lot, a lot of people who are more well put together and who are more successful, like are big avid readers, um, also helps with like when I'm going to sleep, um, calming down the mind. You enter another world, but it's not a world of social media where everyone's comparing each other um, and you're trying to figure out what's fake and what's real. When you have a book or no matter if it's like a non-fiction or fiction thing, you're just immersed into a different world. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting. Also with Jordan Peterson, my brother's like a big fan. Um, and he's like, he had his book, the 12, 12 rules. What's it? 12 laws. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And one of them, I think he mentioned, he was telling me about something and it was like the lobster analogy or like the thing. What, what I, I can't, think of it but like um if you remember you able to um enlighten me <laughs> yeah yeah there's a bit of a meme about philosophers but uh yeah it's, it's that kind of um uh standing up tall with your shoulders back mm. that that first rule yeah and you relate it to these crustaceans of these lobsters um there's a study of lobsters where they kind of fight for these shells or whatever it is. What is kind of what they fight for? A lady, lady lobster. Yeah. Um, and I haven't read it for a while, but it's it's something about um, not kind of cowering and kind of and there'd be these fights between these lobsters. And if one would kind of lose a fight, they just kept kept on going losing, and they wouldn't um, stand up tall and kind of back themselves. Mm. It kind of takes his nose. I mean, I I. I yeah, I might be misrepresenting it. I might have to read it again. Yeah, sorry. Um, but there's there's a certain sense in which too often we, we kind of just give up on ourselves too easily. Um, yeah. And we just kind of... You know, yeah, it's like back hunch. Back hunch. We're not ready to kind of um, to fight for, for what who we love, what we love. Um, mm. And we just kind of give up. I think that's, that's sort of a message. I think, yeah, I definitely recommend reading it. Um, yeah. And there is a funny kind of people made memes about it, kind of monster meme or something like that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's like, if I remember correctly, something around that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, um, that's a really cool thing that anyone can do. Um, we look at animals around us, we think they're, well, I guess the notion is that they're primitive. Um, but like, they're a reason, there's a reason why they have, um, their behaviors have helped them live so many years. It's because it's, it's what once it's ingrained in them, but it's what, um, what establishes their place in like the food chain, what establishes their, their place in the ecosystem. They all have a role to play. Um, and they've been able to play that role for, for years and hopefully for years to come if we don't wipe them out. Um, but there is so always something really, um, interesting to learn from, from animals and any other creature, any creatures but ourselves. Um, and so like, I, I like, I really like the idea of just, I love analogies. I love, I try to live by analogies because they don't overcomplicate, like they simplify life in a way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, anyone watching, have a read of a bit of Jordan Peterson and, and just read more in general. Um, there's so much, so much knowledge to kind of encounter 
I've been speaking to my mentor and he's been talking to me about, um, you know, thinking about the dice roll analogy and other things like that. And yeah, like we are, we, we spend so much time on our phones, but like, it's, I'm wondering, are we learning something? Are we adding mm. something to our day? Um, so yes, yeah, like reading and, and podcasts, just like, doesn't, doesn't have to be, you don't have to give your life to it, but it's just something you can do before bed or just doing some downtime. Um, yeah. So yeah. I just, think podcasts are huge. Like, yeah. I mean, I've learned, you know, I've listened to Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has like some of the coolest people. You have this guy named Dave Goggins. Yeah. You know, this ultra marathon runner. It's just so, such a motivation. Right? Mm. But yeah, I listen to the awesome people. But also that faith and things I've learned, like, like, I've been able to learn, like, uh, my dad does lawn mowing, and, um, and I say to people, like, don't be like, where did you learn, like, where did you learn so much about the faith? Um, people say, you know, how did you, how did you learn so much about the faith, you know? So I tell them, oh, cutting grass, like, I'd be listening, I'd be mowing lawns, my dad working out, and I'd be listening to podcasts, and be, like, forming myself, and, and growing more, you know? Yeah. Actually, I think, um, I guess in my first semester, you know, I was like, I felt like I'd read more you know, than I had in like all of high school, you know? Yeah. Um, and one of the good things is lockdown recently, I've already read kind of three books or four books maybe. Um, yeah, like I, I, I haven't been reading much this year at all. But lockdown came along and I'm like, I just got to read. Yeah. I just, you know, have a set time and just kind of just chipping away at a book 15, 20, 30 minutes a day. And, um, and I've actually got into uh, Lord of the Rings, um, oh, yeah. which is yeah. I watched movies for the first time recently, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then I'm like, I need to read the books. Mm. A couple of friends recommended it. Now I'm just carrying through that um, yeah. before bed, and it's so beautiful. It's the yeah, Tolkien's awesome. And, um, there's so much meaning to the book, and there's so many beautiful lines of hope, friendship, mm. beautiful themes. Um, I feel like yeah. The thing is, like with a book, you've got like someone with ten years of experience or thirty years into experience into hundred pages, right? Mm. And so they're they're putting like tens and tens of years of of, of knowledge and, and information um, into a book you can read in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's like, but then you're on social media, you've got people with no experience about anything, and they're just. <laughs> Talking about coronavirus and vaccines and yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever else the experts in yeah. um, you know, fitness or whatever it is. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, it's good. You know, like they've only got one, two, a few experience. Or, um, mm. I mean, it's not bad that you see different opinions that yeah. kind of people listen to. It's good that it's like a 10 second uh, Instagram story with like little experience behind it or. You know, a couple of weeks reading a book with 30, 40 years experience behind it. Yeah. Looking at the brain up, but it's like uh, getting ourselves, yeah, I've been enjoying reading a lot. And I find it very um, calming as well. Like right. a, week, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was having a stressful day and I, was, I had a couple of Zooms at night. I know this Zoom's dragging on, and I think we have another Zoom today. Um, yeah. I don't know break. Yeah. Um, but, the, just sitting down, I read, I read a book for half an hour for my next meeting or whatever it was. I just felt more, much, so much more calmer. You know? Yeah. And I was able to go into that next meeting or whatever it was. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll wrap it up in a bit. I've really enjoyed this talk. Um, it's been awesome. Yeah. And I, d- I think a couple of things will end with, I guess, um, I think one, what's one thing, what a couple, what a couple of things you tell your younger self kind of knowing what you know now, um, going through what you've been through. What's, what's a couple of things you'd tell that younger self? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> Pretty many things, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and on that point of reading, I wish I wish I concentrated a bit more in, in school and yeah. applied myself a bit more, especially in 9, 10, like, um, Spent too many English lessons <laughs> playing games and playing Nathan Speed with the boys <laughs> um, <laughs> that I, I regret, you know, now. Um, yeah, right. But so, so yeah, paid me more attention. And I kind of feel not cheated, but like I wish I, I'd been introduced to more greater books and greater authors, uh, better books, you know. Mm. Uh, read more. I just let myself to read more to be in social media less. But yeah, I think I'd say, like, yeah, don't. Um, do yeah, don't don't put so much pressure on yourself about girls or about you know being popular or being you know liked because um, that's you know you're made for that you're made to be be loved yeah um, you're made to be known you're made to be respected you know but you're not made to settle for less than that either you're not made to level settle for this superficial level of, of friendship or relationships or um, and you're made for more, and, yeah. and what you truly seek um, can be found if you, you know, if you knock, you, know, you ask, you, know, you, you you'll you'll seek, you know, if you seek, you'll find. Um, yeah. What it says, you, know, you, ask, you have not because you ask not. I think Steve Harvey says that. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, you have not because you ask not. You know, like you don't you you, you don't realize that. You know, you think back. I was 16, you know, like my desires with all these things, but now I know there's so much more to life, you know. Mm. That's a big part of a lot of my counseling. I had was, uh, you know, you'll get through high school and then you have the rest of your life to do with you know, like, things in perspective as well. Yeah. Um, it's hard when you're so emotionally saturated. Okay. Yeah. 16 year old. But yeah, like, yeah, that's settled for less. Um, but, but also know that, you know, don't give up on your desires either. Because um, mm. I think a lot of people do give up on their desires. Uh, I don't think I never really did that, but I definitely settled for less. I definitely settled for you know, what was uh, not what I was made for. Made for love, I made for authentic love, uh, mm. authentic freedom, intimacy, fulfillment. Yeah. And you have hope. Let's say have hope, you know. Yeah, that's great. It's it's crazy how we uh, all of us have similar messages to tell our younger selves, um, and so any any early intervention into helping young people um, understand like the world is at their feet, they can really be empowered to um, take control of their life. Like that's that's um, a really huge thing, and I'm sure like that's definitely what you do with your religion. Um, that's what. I guess a lot of that's what I'm like trying to do with this. And that's, um, I mean, you don't need to have like a structure to be, to have an impact on the youth. Um, it's just about helping people, um, helping create a world where people, um, 
are empowered. We were talking about earlier um, about being okay with being with yourself. Um, that's something that a lot of people have had to learn during this lockdown. And I think a lot of people will be better for it. Um, knowing that they can be with themselves and they can be happy. They have hobbies that they can put time into. They are okay to sit there and let thoughts kind of circle around and they know how to manage them. Um, and again, yeah, so like reading can obviously help with that. It can teach um, lessons that you consciously or even subconsciously, um, I guess, absorb. Um, and couple, what is something that you're always grateful for now? I'm guessing it's going to be like, I guess your faith, but um, obviously if there's any, any other things as well. Um, yeah. What are the things you're always like grateful for? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. But faith, I guess, especially uh, when it's taken away, like not taken away from me, like, the faith can't be taken away from me, but kind of practice and going to church and doing mass. And, and mm. So you appreciate that more. I think I'm very grateful for that. But also my family. Everyone is my family. Like I've really discovered this like, during the lockdown because mm. we spent more time together than being out of work and um, I've been able to appreciate my family so much more like I'm not going to be at home forever um, and like indeed these cherished moments spend more time playing board games card games with, with my brother and more, uh, my family yeah. yeah that's been yeah I'm really grateful for that yeah um, that's been yeah definitely and also my friendships yeah, of course so I guess your faith, family, friends. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or Fs, you know. For, yeah, yeah, I was going to say all the Fs. Yeah, of course. That, that stuff is all about like grounding. Um, mm. There's a really important thing that, um, that I guess trying to, because I'm doing primary teaching and something that, um, that I've like researched and seen a lot about is this like uh, five, four, three, two, one grounding technique. And it's when kids are upset anxious, worried, angry, whatever it may be, um, you get them to do this grounding thing and they get in touch with their senses. So it's like five, five things that you see, um, two things that you feel, um, three things that you hear. And then like, I guess the one is like one, what is one thing you're really grateful for? What are are you looking forward to? Um, So that's that grounding that family brings and that a little technique like that can do just helping you realize um, not to stray so far away from yourself. Like you have a good life. We all have a good life at the end of the day. We're um, talking to you. We live in Australia. We have a pretty safe um, place to live in. We have a lot of things accessible. Um, and so when you're able to ground yourself, you're able to realize like, fuck, I got it. <laughs> I got it pretty good. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I'll end with what is um, some just advice from yourself to anyone, um, I guess, struggling um, from like relationships or with anxiety, depression, um, finding themselves in life. That's a huge thing. Um, What is some advice that you can give to people? It's a very broad question, but um, yeah, anything you can kind of uh, think of from your experience. Well, um, I think, yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but checking in yourself and mm. I think that just kind of ground, being aware of your, your core emotions, like not just kind of up in your head, but in your body, how you're feeling in your body. Mm. Um, that's important. I think that's one of the things that like, you should really pay attention to. And there's these core emotions of happiness, anxiety, fear, anger, 
Like you, you feel them, you know, in your body. Um, yeah. So it's kind of strange. So pay attention to those. Um, and you can feel anxiety, like your, your stomach's in knots. Or mm. you can feel angry. I'm just so unsettled by this. Um, and acknowledging that, and be honest with you, yeah, I am frustrated here. Um, I am anxious here. I am happy here. This is mm. okay. Thanks to God. Um, and yeah, be be aware. Be 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 um. Uh, be aware of yourself, but also kind of that takes uh, limiting the noise in your life. So the of your phone, um, you know, podcast, even sometimes you know, all these good things, podcasts, YouTube. Sometimes it's better to just have silence and to really embrace silence. You know? mm. I think Pascal said, you know, the problem with the world is that a man can't sit alone in, in his room by himself for an hour. Like, yeah. um, can't sit and contemplate. And to embrace silence, I mean, I've had an opportunity to lock down. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot we can distract ourselves with. And so I'd say, yeah, just really, really channel out. For me, like, uh, I center things around prayer. Yeah. Um, and kind of, and, and it is that meditation. It takes on, you know, you, you have kind of reading, you can do reading, but sometimes it's good to be still, to just be with yourself and, and kind of empty yourself these thoughts. Um, mm. I guess we're, Kind of Western spirituality or kind of Christian spirituality would kind of um, uh, depart or kind of differ just kind of Eastern spirituality, maybe. It's mm. kind of emptying yourself in order to receive God or to receive your, your identity as like uh, as a you know, son of God, as someone who's loved, who's known, who's respected. Yeah. So having time to sit, I usually take half an hour um, <clears throat> and just, just you know, begin with those these, these things of kind of receiving my identity from God um, yeah. and just be just sit with that like who am I what do I seek and, and sit with those questions is there more to this fight yeah don't distract yourself even though they're very uncomfortable when you kind of get to the the, the pointy end of them but yeah embrace silence uh, carve out time for meditation if you're not you know uh, believe in God or you can be not into that yeah. I just say there's something there for you I think mean, the Lord is, is definitely there yeah. Um, he, he is the source of our happiness, that's what I believe. Um, yeah. But you can still do it in terms of grace and silence. And your life will be much more important. Yeah. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. I, I've been hearing it a bit, yeah, but it's all good. I can cancel most of that out. Um, oh, yeah, but um, the embracing silence thing, I haven't heard that before. And when I'm doing whatever, I always put music on or something, but sometimes that it's like a really good piece of advice. Um, my mentor um, was talking to me about like, yeah, sometimes you have anxiety so ridiculously intense that you just, sometimes you just need to sit and let it, let it hit you, let it come, let it pass by. Um, so yeah, I really like that embracing silence thing. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Um, before we uh, depart, <laughs> yeah, I just got one more. I just came to mind is also like yeah. um, kind of realize like one of the this, one of these lines in this book of what Hart was saying like um, looks at spiritual life, but you know, I think this can apply to to, to living you know, authentic, you know, living you know, in your authentic self and realizing who you are is realizing um, you're wounded, like you're not as well put together as you'd like. And accepting that, like so, so often we kind of 
cover that up or we try to cover it up on social media with our profiles or yeah. with these kind of screens or filters we put on, you know. Mm. We, put, we have all these filters today and we should just kind of pick one out and say, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. Um, but to really embrace and accept that I'm wounded, that I'm, I've been hurt from this relationship, I've been you know, disappointed by this person, I'm disappointed by myself, um, and to accept that and say, okay, um, you know, I'm wounded, but there is healing, there is support there, there is friendships I can work on, there is help I can get, you know, through counselling. Um, mm. There is um, people I can reach out to, um, and, and I can, you know, and not not just not not resign yourself to this wounded, broken self and say, okay, this is it. You know, yeah. that's never a good idea either. It's like no. don't. Don't settle for that. Like, okay, I'm, I'm always going to be unhappy. I'm always yeah. going to be have these agreements, and we sort of make these these um these agreements with ourselves. Like, I'm never, you know, going to be happy. I'm never going to, you know, um, uh, be good enough. For this, yeah. And we make all these these the, we tell ourselves all these lies, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we just accept them as fact rather than really examine them, look at them closely, and say, yeah, well, maybe I'm not I'm not perfect. I'm not where I want to be. But I can be, I can get there, and I'm not, I'm not going to do it by myself either. Like, it's, there's a certain sense in which you know you have to take responsibility for your life, but there's a balance to be had between putting it all on your shoulders and just going, oh no, it's, it's not on my shoulders. Or, or, you know, people are facing the ice up to God, but no, no, there's, there's, there's a there's a cooperation that needs to be there. And um, yeah. yeah, last thing I did just yeah. Just, Seeing the question, what do you seek? What do you desire? What do you want? Um, yeah. And see that and, and see what comes up. And, and, and maybe, yeah, <laughs> the Bible will just check that out and um, you know, see what that question is. Okay. Um, the Lord invites you to just come and see. And the world invites you to come and see, you know? Yeah. Uh, think, so. Yeah, I think it's probably the last thing I'd say, yeah. Sweet. Oh, well, thank you so much um, for coming on. I've been very busy with a lot of things and to start to kick season two off with something like this, um, despite the circumstances, I still really, this is a great talk. I think people are going to really enjoy this. And so thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. Sweet. Um, yeah, thank you guys for watching as well. Um, that was episode, should be episode one of season two of Path to Peace. Um, and hope you guys have a great day. Thank you.